This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hey, mindful listeners. Thanks once again for spending some of your time with us today. Okay, so most of you know that unfortunately about two years ago, I was, okay, here's how it happened. I was, I, I did a bentonite clay mask, you know, it was a little, little self-care and got into my infrared sauna and I was lying down and just rubbing all the clay over my chest and my face and it was feeling great. And all of a sudden I ran over a lump in my breast um, and I was like, oh, what's this? Well, it was during the pandemic, right? So I had a, an appointment with my gynecologist, but it had been delayed a couple times and I was seeing her in five days. So I was like, you know, what? I kind of forgot about it. Well, then I went to that appointment and she ran over that same lump and I ended up getting it uh, assessed because I think that was the right thing to do. And like one in eight other women, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was, you know, something for sure. But so uh, the breast surgeon who I went to, who diagnosed me, they were great. They did exactly what they were supposed to do as far as focusing on my tumor. And I ended up having a double mastectomy and then being referred to an oncologist. And funny enough, this this appointment with this uh I would say standard of care oncologist was the really the only appointment I was too scared not to go to because I think a cancer diagnosis is that C word is still really scary and there's a lot of unknowns. Well, it turns out I went to this appointment and oh my dear, was I underwhelmed because I knew right personally, of course, but professionally as well, that cancer is a pretty complicated process. And she looked at my stats and sort of how my cancer was acting and what maybe fueled it and didn't ask me anything about my life, didn't ask me anything about um, my lifestyle, didn't ask me anything about my diet, uh, and basically said, here, you can take this. Now, you also know from being with me for this many years that my parents were both pharmacists and I was well-versed in the here, take this approach to medicine. And I was extremely turned off and extremely underwhelmed. So I thought, you know what? I need to get my own answers. So I had a fateful day that happened. Um, I was thinking about not only do I need answers for myself, I need, I need to be, I think, and I was compelled to be available for other people in this position that maybe have this diagnosis and was underwhelmed with standard of care. So I'm not kidding. This is a real story. I remember there was a podcast, this podcast, and I had a guest on the co-author of The Metabolic Approach to Cancer, Jess Higgins-Kelly, uh, years ago. And I thought, you know what? I know I, I, I need to reach out to her. Well, that day, the day that I thought about reaching out to her, she emailed me. Um, and it had been years since we had spoken. And she is the guest that I'm going to bring onto the show because she is the founder of the Oncology Nutrition Institute, an institute that I'm about to graduate from with my Oncology Nutrition Consulting Certificate. And she and that school is what I turn to to get more answers for a very comprehensive, I think very complicated diagnosis of cancer. So I want to bring Jess to the show and talk all about it. Um, this is part of myself. This is the real self-care. And so Jess Kelly is a master nutrition therapist. She's an oncology nutrition consultant herself. She's a teacher, a writer, and a nutrition education program developer. Um, an oncology nutrition consultant for over a decade, Jess has extensive experience working with cancer and chronic illness clients from around the globe. 
She is also the co-author of two books, The Metabolic Approach to Cancer, and Integrating Deep Nutrition, The Ketogenic Diet, and Non-Toxic Bio-Individualized Therapies, and as well, Bioregulatory Medicine, an Innovative Holistic Approach to Self-Healing. And I am also super proud and happy to call her my friend. Jess, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Holly. I'm proud to call you my friend too. And you're a star student and it's been so fun getting co- to connect and follow your journey as you've been... Yeah, navigating your diagnosis yeah. and, and what's on the other side. So thank you for having yeah. me. No, and thank you for emailing me that day. And, and, and it's a true story. It's like, you know, I was thinking, I, I have to do that. something. And I know that there's something else out there. And so let's just, I, I really want the, the, the listeners to understand about the Oncology Nutrition Institute, sort of what it is, how it came about, and, and what the course offers. Yeah, so probably about eight years ago, uh, I was I had a private practice nutrition consulting uh, company and uh, found myself doing more and more uh, work with uh, oncology folks. And, you know, it was really overwhelming everything that these folks were doing, different types of treatments. And then as we learned more about the interactions between certain supplements and, and standard of care, and I said to myself, you know, wow, I really need to learn more. So I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. I, I just I have a quest to understand um, as much as I can. And I, so I started looking around um, for, you know, nutrition and cancer programs and there was nothing out there unless you were a, a registered dietitian and then you could go that route having proven, I think it's a thousand hours in the field and then you can take an exam. Well, I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm a nutrition therapist, so I couldn't, you know, go that route. So I thought, well, we'll start our own. And at the time it was sort of a, a bit of a co, you know, co-creation. So as I was writing the metabolic approach to cancer, I was developing what is now course one um, in our 250-hour oncology nutrition consulting program. So, you know, the program now is open to, um, you know, certainly registered dietitians, which we have for students, but also naturopathic physicians like yourself and registered nurses. And um, it's been really uh, amazing to me the amount of medical doctors that we have signing up because, you know, they definitely don't get nutrition in school. And, you know, a recent paper showed that one in three people, when they get diagnosed with cancer, they ask their doctor what to eat. You know, it's just sort of this inherent, like, I know I want to do something. I know I can clean up my act a little bit. And most doctors, they just don't, it's not their fault. They just haven't had that, their training. So um, what we developed is it's, it's four 10-week courses so it's 40 weeks of, of classes, basically, and then a, a final exam. And we cover everything from understanding um, assessments, so terrain assessments, blood sugar, you know, going through the different terrain areas that are covered in the metabolic approach to cancer. And then we have a course on types of cancer because, you know, breast cancer can behave differently than thyroid cancer or brain cancer. And there's so much research out there showing interactions between nutrients and phytochemicals and uh, different types of cancer. So that's really fun. Um, And there's just new research coming out all the time. So um, there's a course on that. And then 
how to what to do for surgery and radiation, immunotherapy and that sort of thing. And then um, kind of my biggest part of what I love about the program is we go into food quality. And I think that that is one of the things that really gets left off the table. I mean, kind of pun intended on that one, but you know, we're hearing <laughs> right. all these blanket statements in the world of nutrition, like meat's bad. Well, we, you know, we really dive deeper into the program and look, you know, look at the differences between grain fed CAFO meat and the nutrient profiles versus like grass fed and finished. So, you know, we really take it as deep as we can um, to sort of yeah. get as detailed as we can. So, yeah, that's the course in a nutshell. <laughs> okay, there's so many things that I want to pick up on. <laughs> but th this last piece that you talked about, the mm -hmm. quality, mm -hmm. this is something. So, folks, I just went through this 40-week course, and I've yet to take my final exam. Um, and that's that's w what I need to do. But, you know, I have an extensive education and, and some experience. I, the, the, you know... I, I've said this before, the the more you know, the more you know you don't know. And I learned so much during this course. And the quality piece, you know, I being an naturopathic doctor, I, I feel like food is, is medicine and nutrition is foundational in every single clinical case that I come across. But I have to be I have to say I was remiss in driving home, you know, my recommendations, that quality piece, you know, those other adjectives, I think. I'm not a lit literary major um, by any <laughs> stretch of the imagination, but, you know, those specifics, because as someone once said, you know, it's not the food itself, it's what we've done to it over time. And that can actually sort of be pushing sand against the tide if the quality is not there, actually creating more oxidative stress, actually creating more inflammation instead of doing the things that we think it's going to be doing um because we've had this you know as you well said this these blanket statements on the good side and on the bad side so that quality piece um was really driven home and i you know i i approach this whole subject differently at this point in time because of it well good your your patients will thank you <laughs> you know it's it's, it's the devil's yes. in the details when it comes to dietary therapies. You know, I can spend a half hour talking to someone just about their morning beverages. It's like, we, we are going to gloss over your cup of coffee? No, let's dig in. You know, coffee is one of the, it's the most heavily pesticide crop around. So let's make sure it's organic. Are you running it through a filter that has dioxins? Are you, what's your creamer? You know, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's really go through bit by bit. And, you know, well, on the, on the patient side, you know, we feel that people really, want to gloss over that and kind of jump to, you know, supplements and what can they do where it's like, hey, you know, let's let's get some foundation pieces and that will aid your absorption of your supplements and, you, and your other treatments, make them, you know, work a little bit better. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that, that was really important to me in the development of the program is just really, you know, we see these recommendations like eat more fruits and vegetables. You're like, yeah, I've heard that a thousand times. Like, which ones? and why, and when, and how, and who, you know, there's a lot to it. So yeah, it's fun. I get all fired up about. Yeah. I, <laughs> the course is extremely robust and very, very well thought through. The other thing I really want to unpack is you mentioned terrain a couple times. And so during my story at the top of the show, I, I talked about tumor, right? Tumor centric, my, my breast surgeons being amazing. Um, 
And then there's this whole idea of the terrain. Can you explain to the listeners more about that concept? Yeah. So when we talk about terrain, we want people to think about their bodies as their own tiny little ecosystem, their own little, little bio individual terrain. So it depends on where you live and what you eat and sort of what's around you. So basically when we flushed out um, the terrain 10 in the metabolic approach to cancer, you know, what we hear so much is, oh, it's, oh, bummer, cancer, bad luck. No, it's not bad luck. Maybe genetics and genes take into account about 5%. And we're, and then when the treatment comes along, we're looking at just the tumor, but there's so many different factors that affect our body. So for example, yes, we have genetics and epigenetics. How does your body respond to our out external environment? We have exposure to environmental toxins. We have our endocrine system and hormones and biorhythms, right? So a night owl, you know, is going to have a, a higher uh, risk of breast cancer. They found that um, with night shift workers actually in hospitals than those who sleep, you know, with morning, morning people. So that's going to affect your terrain. Um, your mental emotional state is going to affect your terrain. So we have a whole quiz. There's a free quiz on the website and, and the quiz in the book where it's like, like what what elements of your body are uh, are going to be you know if they're not vital you're, you're going to be more susceptible and I'm I'm really learning a lot about you know looking at cancer as an it, it, as an ecological disease so if you take the analogy of your body as a garden right so if it's if there's nutrient deficiencies in a garden you will see diseases in your crops and it's just beautiful the synergy between you know a small little ecosystem in a garden and in our bodies so Say your microbiome is off from years of antibiotic use. You know, women who took years of antibiotics for acne, let's say. So there's not going, there's going to be a different bacterial profile there. So that may, um, you know, there's really interesting research coming out showing that immunotherapies are going to respond much better if there's presence of certain bacteria. So Anyway, circling back, when we talk about terrain, it's really the ecosystem of your body. There's all the different factors, rain, water, nutrients, weather stressors, you know, what what kind of products are you putting on your body? So we have to sort of come out of just, you know, this tumor-centric, it's very myopic view, it's very, you know, one one treatment, one target, when human bodies have so many different physiological systems and bioregulating systems that are helped to keep it in homeostasis. And so we need to take sort of a bigger picture look um, at a person, you know, you said you walked in and, and they didn't ask you anything about your life. Well, it's like, you know, if you're staying up all night and you're eating candy bars, you know, maybe that's some low-hanging fruit we can look at. You know, I'm sure you're not staying up all night eating candy bars, Holly, but, you know, other people could, could be. And so um, let's let's start digging into some of those diet and lifestyle questions because they're going to impact the body and the and, and your ecological terrain, your own bioregulating terrain that's going to make people more susceptible to disease. Um, or more resilient against it. And because of, you know, our climate today where 90% of Americans are deficient in at least one nutrient, I'm like, 
let's start looking at the nutrients that we need to keep our physiology and our terrain up. So I don't know if that helps <laughs> answer the question, but it's, the body is a garden, really. It's Yes, it's such an incredible analogy, the ecological disease, because you know, I know that the number one risk factor for getting cancer is already having had cancer, okay? So you think about it that way, and it's that whole sort of idea that you can't heal in the same soil, we'll use that, we'll keep that up, um, that you got sick in, right? So, and you know, you're right, I'm not eating candy bars at night, but there are people that do, and I think also after the fear of a diagnosis like that, a lot of people go to what has comforted them in the past. It's the same things that maybe got them in trouble in the first place. And that might be using food as comfort, right? And using horrible nutritionally valueless food as comfort, drinking too much, you know, having stress. I'm working and caring for a gentleman that was just diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and his wife called me yesterday and just wanted a half hour to talk and vent because there's so many little pieces that they need to get in order for his care. I mean, it, it it's a it's a thing. It's something that happens in your whole entire life shifts. And that whole terrain idea um, is so important for people to start focusing on because your body has now established the fact that it uh, failed, not failed in a blaming way, but we all have cancer cells all the time, right? But we've got this incredible immune system. We've got all these other things at play to keep those disease processes at bay. But if it was overtaken, it's proven that it was with the diagnosis, then we've got work to do. And it's it's deeper work and it's inside and it's looking at that, like you said, the entire terrain, the entire garden, the quality of the soil. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, on that... I used to tell people when I when I did practice, you know, I'm a nutrition therapist, but 90% of what I do is the therapy part because people really, there's so much emotional stuff that goes along with the diagnosis or a lot of times, you know, there's past traumas and there's a lot of mental, emotional healing that needs to happen and they just need to talk through and work through. And, you know, you and I have had conversations about, you know, you, I can tell people all day, oh yeah, you know, you got cancer, you know, you should probably eat more Christopher's vegetables, but how do you get people to make that change? And that's that psychology. How do we as practitioners help to encourage this behavior change to make new choices in the kitchen, you know, when they go out to eat in the grocery store, you know, it's all these habit changes. And unfortunately, you know, our society, we celebrate and we mourn with sugar. So, oh, it's your birthday. Let's get you a huge cake. Oh, you got diagnosed with cancer. Let me make you uh, cookies. You know, it's like we've, we've morphed sugar into this comfort food. And of course it releases dopamine. It's addictive. It's more addictive than cocaine. Of course we want it. It makes it us feel good, but we need to sort of start fusing in what I call um, the the power of positive peer pressure. You're like, oh, wow, you got diagnosed with cancer. Let me chef you up a really amazing salad, you know, a Greek salad that has lots of love and diverse vegetables and different things in there, you know, instead of going to this default of, you know, quote unquote, comfort food, that's just going to further deplete people. It's, you know, we, we just need to change what, how we view comfort food and, and what we're doing to support our loved ones. You know, we have a letter drafted, you know, to, to send out to 
people who care. Oh, j- let's start a meal train for Johnny who just got diagnosed with cancer. Okay, well, what's on? The- here's what we're eating. Here's what we're not eating. Because you know, then people get they get dropped off a fresh baked, you know, pie, and they feel guilty that they don't eat it. It's like all this psychology that goes around it. Just you know, to stop this cycle of of what we're doing to comfort others. It's not sugar, and it's not alcohol, and it's not some of these addictive things, you know, we need more positive, positive peer pressure. I love that so much. You know, the things that drop out of your mouth, I I tell you, they're brilliant. (laughs) No, and I, I so appreciate. So for the listeners, you know, I I wanted to, I I know this for a fact. And, and, and obviously now through, you know, going through this course, and then also the metabolic approach to cancer, standard of care. And when I say standard of care, that was me going to and being too scared not to my conventional oncologist um, and her saying, here, take this. You're right. She gave me a pill. And that was it. That's standard of care. And I know standard of care oncology, we really honestly have not moved the needle as far as outcomes in the in the last 70 years. So in my in my, in my opinion, we've got to be doing something differently. And I think that's because it's so tumor focused and not terrain focused, not really understanding that more holistic, comprehensive, um, uh, well, it's my medicines, right? It's identifying and treating the root cause. Like, like, let's get in there. Let's start digging in the dirt. Let's let's get into the soil. So I, I love so much this program that you put together and the people that you are graduating because they get to get out there and help this population really understand how to nourish themselves. You know, I, I've said this story so many times, but I, I like to look up words, just like the origin of words. And I think the the one word that changed my entire career that I looked up was like, I wanted to know what diet meant. <laughs> I was like, what does diet really mean? Because um, it's used obviously so much in everything that we do and everything that I was doing. And so when I looked it up, it was like habitual nourishment. How as a habit do you nourish yourself? And I was like, oh, that whole idea of nourishment, you know, w- just blew my mind. And it, it it changed the way that I spoke to people about nourishing themselves, their diet, because it's like some people don't even feel worthy being nourished, right? It's like there's so much that goes into it. So I want to get back to the school because um, you mentioned the website. The There's a free quiz, a Train 10 quiz. And the website is oncologynutritioninstitute.com. And then also you mentioned um, the people that um, are eligible to apply. Let's talk about all of it because I want anybody who has an interest in this population and in helping and digging deeper into really quality information regarding oncology nutrition to get to the school and apply. So talk to me about the um, who can apply. Right. So the idea with the program is it's sort of a complement to uh, existing practitioners. So we do uh, require a pre-qualifying degree in health, medical, or nutrition science. So um, nutritionists, registered dietitians, registered nurses, PAs, NDs, DOs, MDs. Um, We have acupuncturists. We have a lot of pharmacists, which has been a ball to, to see and meet, um, really because it is sort of upper level. We do, we, we ask that, uh, 
people who apply at least have foundational coursework in anatomy and physiology, biochemistry, nutrients and digestion and detox, just so we're kind of we're versed a little bit in, uh, in how the body works and some uh, nutrition theory there. So um, yes, unfortunately, right now it's not open to the general public. It is a, we do require a pre-qualifying degree. And so it can, you know, an acupuncturist can feel comfortable talking to their their patients about oncology nutrition and know that they can feel confident and informed and that they have the research to back it up, right? So the program has over 800 citations. And so we can, you know, and that's what I found working in the, in the field is if you're going to be talking to the medical oncologist, which, you know, 10 years ago, we're so quick to dismiss our recommendations. Oh, there's no data there. Well, there is. And what we really want to do is arm our students with those research papers so that when they're speaking, they can back it up by what, you know, this isn't just fluff we just made up. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's who can apply. And um, we have start dates for new students in the fall, winter, and spring. And then we offer a summer term for students who are already in the program who want to get her done. So um, some students want to want to get things done um, faster. So, yeah, that's who can come on in. Excellent. Yeah, you mentioned data. I mean, that's one thing I will say. Everything, I mean, we, we have this buzzword in the community called evidence, evidence-based, evidence-based. It's, you want it, everything. Everything in this program, there's a there. It's cited. There is research. There is data. Um, there's incredible, robust data being done all the time. You can't keep up hardly. And th- these are on nutrients. And you know, I've always told people, it's like when you think about it. Like if you've ever taken, and you know this better than I, a nutrition class, it's like taking a biochemistry class, and sort of vice versa, because. These nutrients that we talk about that are contained in food, and yes, you know, there is a dietary supplement world, but as far as food is concerned, these aren't this it's, I mean, these nutrients are not like a couple aisles in your local health food store. These are what drive the way that your body works. And these deficiencies can add up over time because of poor choices, because of our poor quality of soil. Um, our food chain, you name it, and this this can all contribute. And so um, everything is evidence-based. There's citations everywhere, and uh, there's incredible reading assignments. And it's I, Jess, you just you did such an amazing job at pulling this program together, and I was so um, thrilled to get your email and then be be a part of this and, and learn more to help take care of myself, but really as well to be a resource for other people in this population that I know we're not getting um, any really good information. Okay, one last topic. We've got a couple minutes here left. Um, There's a lot of people who, you know, know what I've gone through, maybe been diagnosed themselves, and they'll come to me and and they'll ask, uh, just just kind of like casually, what do you think about going um, like vegetarian? I just got diagnosed with breast cancer. What do you think about that? Here's what I've seen uh, over the years is so many different people coming in who it's confusing. First of all, there's so much information about their, you know, this person went vegan and whoa, they cured their cancer. You know, this person did Gersh, whoa, they cured their cancer. And I think that it, it for the newly diagnosed, it's really confusing to know which is right, <laughs> the right dietary path. And that's, you know, where we have to come back to bio-individuality. And so it's, it's the patient driving the protocol. We have to work backwards. And that's where assessments are really important. And I will tell you, 
Um, vegetarian and vegan diets are uh, inherently uh, deficient in the B-complex vitamins, which are critical for methylation, uh, a, a critical process in, uh, in our genome. Um, protein is very important. Amino acids are very important. Certainly, it depends on your type of cancer. So, you know, people are, oh, sugar drives cancer. Sure, but it can't, we know that cancer also can, you know, it's the microenvironment. It can feed off of amino acids. It can feed off of fatty acids. You know, it's a very cunning disease. But in general, especially for someone going through cancer treatment, um, or on the back end, we see significant nutrient depletions. You know, 30 years ago, all we were hearing about is iron. You know, make sure you're getting iron. Make sure you're getting fiber. No one talks about those things anymore. They've been left off the plate, but we need to bring those back. And when we're actually testing nutrients, we're seeing people coming through the door extremely depleted when they're following a vegan or vegetarian diet. Vegetarian diets, um, there's a lot of junk food vegetarian diets out there. People think they can live on beans and rice and um, it's the carbohydrates are through the roof, not to mention the, you know, some of the anti-nutrients inherent in a lot of these you know, grains and legumes, which our bodies are not genetically designed to digest and absorb, which is why one of our textbooks at the school, which I'm such a big fan of, um, the, the history of the human body, where we saw nutrient depletions coming through and changes in the body when we switched from hunter-gatherers to eating these grain-based diets. Vegetarian and vegan diets, they're, they're, our human bodies are not designed to eat that. Maybe for a couple months, but not long term. And so that's why I think that it's important for physicians to start looking at nutrients and seeing, well, are you depleted in B vitamins? Are you depleted in iron? Are you depleted in protein? Because if you're depleted in protein, it can start the ball rolling down the hill of cachexia. And so I don't, we don't teach vegan or vegetarian diets at the school. I don't believe them. I don't, I've never seen evidence of them uh, working uh, from a clinical perspective when we're looking at nutrient testing. So um, I actually think they're dangerous and I would never recommend a vegan or a vegetarian diet and we don't teach it. <laughs> so long story. You know, and you don't, you don't teach it, but you, you also, what I really love in the course is it, there's an explanation rationale why, and then the other rationale and evidence around therapeutic diets, like the ketogenic diet that we're, we're, the, the research is quite robust. So, all right, Jess Higgins Kelly, um, I could talk to you forever. Thank you so much. I want to remind listeners it's the Oncology Nut Nutrition Institute, and you can find it at the Oncology Nutrition Institute.com. Also, Jess's book is The Metabolic Approach to Cancer, and you can find that absolutely anywhere. Thank you so much for being here and everything that you do. Holly, thank you. It's always a delight to hear your voice. Thank you. All right, listeners, thank you for being here, and we're going to see you next time.